Thanks for checking out this message from River Valley Church in Boise, Idaho. We hope that it encourages you and inspires you. For more messages like this, make sure to check out our podcast. And for more content from River Valley, go to our website, rivervalleyboise.com. Enjoy this message. So last week, Jason and I kicked off a new series that we're in, a series called The Church, right? And it's talking all about what we see in the book of Acts is described how the church functions and what it's all about. Last week, we talked about two wheels on a bike. Anybody remember that? Jason is an amazing unicycle rider. Actually, he's terrible. He about destroyed my daughter's bike. But we discovered that God's design for the local church and for us together is to gather in settings like this to be able to worship and, and, and be in the Word and have wonderful times together, but this is not it. And, and I'm just going to be really clear. In the American church, we've made the weekend gathering like this all we need when it comes to being Christians. But the Scripture teaches us actually there's two parts to our gatherings that we desperately need. And the second part is this space of gathering together in small group settings. And we challenged you last week, out of your house churches, and for those of you that weren't a part of a house church, we challenged you to get together with some people over these next eight to ten weeks consistently. That means every week, gather together with groups of three to five people or maybe two to three families where we gather together and we discuss the Word of God together, where we spend some time during the week being together in relationship and community. It's really important for us to do. And, and last week we talked about Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and this was really the nutshell of it. It said, gather together in large groups and connect with one another in small group settings. And so we as a church want to begin to lead into that. Talks a little bit yeah. about the so church. So last week Jason brought up a new word for probably a lot of us called ecclesia. And so today, you know, part of what we see in scripture is that ecclesia is that um, commitment to building strong, healthy relationships here together at our corporate services, but probably more importantly, outside of this building in your home, sharing a meal together, um, doing life together. And so we just really want to encourage you to do that this season. We challenged you last week to gather two or three families or three to five people, whatever works for your home and, and your situation, but to gather a group together and set a consistent meeting time to get together each week um, and spend time in prayer and fellowship and games um, together. So if you don't start connecting, let us know. We will help connect you too. So Come on, absolutely. Yeah. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to grab your Bibles. And for those of you that don't have a Bible, you can get them on your phone. Uh, for those of you that need or want a hard Bible, we have ones that we can hand out to you. But we're going to read Scripture together. As it's weird, right? Like, we would come to a gathering of believers and read the Bible. I know. So, but we're going to read out of Acts chapter 1. So you can turn your Bible there. Acts is in the New Testament right after the Gospels. A guy named Luke wrote this. And uh, we are going to talk a little bit about the context for the book of Acts, right? Because last week we talked about these gathering spaces. Today we're going to talk about a little bit of the context of what was taking place when we see the early church being formed and what was happening around that. So let's read Acts chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3. Kids, if you have your Bibles, uh, you can join with us as we're reading through this. Um, parents, I'd really encourage you in the future, bring your kids' Bible. Get them familiar with getting in the Word of God. But here's what it says, Acts chapter 1, verse 3. It says, during the 40 days after he suffered and died. Uh, kids, I need a kid in the room to help me with this. Why did Jesus 
have to die? If you know the answer to that, somebody raise their hand for me. I'm going to go right here. River, can you tell me why, why did Jesus have to die? Because he needed to save the world. That's a pretty good answer right there, huh? Yeah. Can we give River a hand? That was really well done. <laughs> because he needed to save the world. We, we know that we live in a world that's broken. Everybody that confusing to anybody in the season and time that we're living in? No, I think we got that part covered, right? So, so we know that Jesus died and that he rose from the dead to give us hope, to conquer sin, and, and to really, what River said, save the world, right? And so we see this being discussed right here in this beginning part of the book of Acts. He appeared to the apostles from time to time. Just a reminder, that was after he was dead, and now he's back to life. Everybody with, with me? We, we all act like that's, oh, yeah, that's normal. That's not normal, church, right? Dead people don't come back to life and hang out with their friends. Man, you guys are kind of quiet this morning. I thought this was going to be a little bit more, like, interactive. Daryl, I need some help, bro. Come on. There you go. All right. Uh, so Jesus was hanging with the disciples after he had died and rose from the dead, and they were spending time together. And this is what we're, we're seeing right here. This is the context of what we're talking about. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Sounds like a series that somebody should do something. Oh, we did that last, last month, right? Uh, verse 4, once when he was eating with them, he commanded them. Listen to this. I want you to hear this. This is what the early church was built on. Do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John, the Baptist, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, jump down the page to verse 8, because I want you to hear what verse 8 has to say for us here. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Everybody say power. power. Now, let's say it like we actually mean it. Say the word power. power. There you go. You will receive power. See, I love having kids in here. This is way better. You adults are boring. I'm just telling you right now. You will receive power, and you will be my witnesses. Everybody say witnesses. So we receive power. Marcy, you go, girl. We receive power, which is the gift of God to us, which is we're going to talk about in a second, the Holy Spirit, to become something, to be something. Not just for our enjoyment, gathering together, having fun. We receive the power, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, for a purpose. It goes on to say here that telling people about me everywhere. Everybody say everywhere. everywhere. In Jerusalem. Throughout, man, you guys are getting better at this. I like this. Uh, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus said that the disciples, which would be us, we needed something before we were able to go on mission. Jesus said, hey, listen, church. This, he's talking to the church. He's saying, you need something before you get ready to go out and do all these things that I've taught you to do. We've been hanging out for the last three years. We've been healing the sick. We've been having some fun together. We've been pulling gold coins out of fish's mouths, like all kinds of crazy stuff. And Jesus is saying, but listen, you're not ready. Hear me, church. He's saying, you're not ready. You need something before you're ready to go out and to do this thing. And, and what he's calling us to is make disciples, right? This is the witnessing component of that. Yeah, he instructed them to gather and receive something from God, which is so cool. And I just love that right in the beginning of Acts, 
we're seeing this segue of an old way of doing things, right? So the old laws and the old ways that we met with God. And we're seeing that Jesus's work on the cross ended that, the old ways. And we're beginning this new way of getting to meet with God, which I just, this morning in worship, I was just thinking about this and how awesome it is that we get to be part of a new way of meeting with God, that we can have worship and God will meet us here or he'll meet you at your house or wherever you're at. This new way of doing things, the work on the cross opens up this availability to his presence anytime, anywhere that we're willing to reach out and he'll be there always. And so I just think that's so powerful and I just love that. And then he gives us this gift of the Holy Spirit, which just unlocks a whole other level in our lives. And so in Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 4, On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. Isn't that awesome? Like, I I would just love to experience that. (laughs) But kids, what do you think? One of your coloring pages that we had is this funny picture of flames, of fire. You know, in the Bible, when they described it, they didn't exactly know how to describe what they saw or what they heard. So they used the best words that they had available, and they described it as tongues of fire resting on them which would just be crazy to see. And so that's why we have that coloring picture this week for us to try to imagine a little bit what that was like in that time. But the Holy Spirit really, like Tim said before, (laughs) cutting him off, Um, but it's really there for us. It's kind of like being at home. I'm just kidding. It's not. No, we we would never do that. Everything I have to say is important. (laughs) Come on now. True. So true. She got me there. Uh Anyways, um, being filled with the Holy Spirit is an empowerment for service, like Tim said. So having the Holy Spirit in our lives is an empowerment. It's power to go out and complete the mission that he has for us. You know, it's funny. In our day and age, a lot of people wrestle with this Holy Spirit thing. Right, like we, I get questions all the time. So is the is the baptism of the Holy Spirit for now? And it's a it's a really good question. A lot of people, a lot of times, when we look at the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we look at the Holy Spirit's interaction with our lives. I mean, you know, sometimes that can weird us out just a little bit. And I want to read something out of Scripture that will help us to to understand a little bit of what that looks like. Because when this initial thing took place fire resting on them. They were all gathered together in one place. That sounds like a large church gathering, doesn't it? There's this interesting component at the very end of that that really messes with a lot of us, and we love to to kind of brush over it theologically. At the end of this time of them being baptized with the Holy Spirit, they people started gathering around and going, what is happening with these people? Something weird. And here was here was the first Twitter post, here was the first Facebook post, here was the first kind of declaration news media outlet and declaration of what the early church looked like. After they were baptized with the Holy Spirit, here's what people said. These people are drunk. Like they are out of their mind. I want to ask you a question. This is going to mess with a lot of our conservative mentalities, but I want to ask you a question. When was the last time that anybody that was not a believer looked at your life and said, are you drunk? Richard, don't answer that question. <laughs> I, I'm being serious. I'm going to stand up for a second because I feel like 
Too many times we like our safe Christianity. I'll preach to you for a minute. Babe, hold on just a second. You're up. Too many times we like our safe Christianity that everybody looks from the outside and goes, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's normal. I'm good with that. But the early church was not built on normal. The early church started out with a gift from heaven from God to them that made them look like they were crazy town. Kids, think about this. And, and when, we, when we look at this interaction that takes place here, the church is identified immediately as something very different than what was going on in culture. And I just want us to maybe pause for a moment this morning and think, have we made our interactions with Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit in our life just way too normal? Is it just way too comfortable for us to come on a weekend, sing a few songs, hear a good message, and say, wow, that was a good week. Let's go home now. Does anybody ever look into our lives and go, whoa, they look like a drunk person. Something crazy is going on here. Now, you may not like this theologically, but I'm just preaching to you the Bible. So you get to wrestle this out with God, and I would really encourage you to do that. But I want you to think about your Christian journey, and does it resemble anything that we're reading out of the early church in the book of Acts? Because if it doesn't, we've got some adjustment to make to come into alignment with it. I promise you the Word of God is not going to change so that you and I feel better. Okay? So we're learning and we're growing. And man, I can feel the tension in the room right now. I thought we were coming back to church and having fun. We are having fun, people. Come on now. But there's some learning that we need about what it means to be the church. And here's, here's what Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Go here with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 says, Peter replied, each one, remember, we're asking the question, is this for today? Is this for us right now? Peter replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. That's the salvation component of your life. If you don't know what it means to be saved, it is as simple as that. You turn from your sin and you come to God, right? And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And I'm going to be very bold this morning, but how many of you this morning have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin and that you are now living a new life with him? Raise your hand. Okay, so so we're here together today in uni, and nobody in this room would question the fact that that's how you get saved. Like, you would look at me and say, if I were to say, how do you get saved? You'd say, we believe on Jesus Christ. We confess our sin. We turn from our sin, and we move, and we're following him. But I want you to notice in the same breath what Peter says. Now, listen to this. He goes on to say, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and this promise is to you, your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. So I want to I wanna put a nail in this coffin right now. I want to I solidify this for everybody that is in this room and for those of you that are listening or watching online. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit was promised to the church, it was not for this 150 people that were gathering in the book of Acts. Peter made it very clear, this is for you. Everybody say, this is for me. It's the declaration of our This is for your children. See, the kids get this. And this is for everybody down the road of our lives. So the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not something we read about in the book of Acts and go, wow, that was cool for them. I'm glad they acted weird. I'm not going to. That's not, not what it's for. It says, listen, if you, 
I'm going to say this as cleanly as I can. If you will accept the gift of salvation in your life, Peter puts that on par with the baptism of the Holy Spirit being experienced in your life as well. It's a gift from the Father. I think somewhere in Scripture it says that the gift of God, which is eternal life, comes through Jesus Christ our Lord, right? It's a gift. In the same way, the baptism of the Holy Spirit for you and for me is a gift from the Father for you and me and our children and everybody behind us. Why? So that we can be witnesses for Jesus. This is what it's all about, right? Babe, talk a little bit, and we just got just a few minutes here. We're running out of time, people. Uh, talk for just a few minutes ago uh, uh, for minutes about this word Baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, what it means. Yeah, so it's it's used in a form of power in Scripture. And the Greek word that they're really referencing is dunamis. You can also maybe pronounce it dynamis, which would make us think of the word dynamite, right? It's part of the where uh, that word comes from. Yes. We blow so stuff if we think up. about dynamite, it gives us a practical way of understanding that word. It means our ability, our capacity, our strength, and really to be able to do something beyond our own capacity. Come on. Which is just so awesome. Awesome. So the Holy Spirit comes, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and gives us that power, something that's going to push us to do something beyond what we would naturally have the ability to do. Yeah, so kids, that means like superhero power. I got the kids' attention right there. Man, I saw all their eyes and be like, Shh. this is what the Holy Spirit brings in our lives. Kids, I want to speak to you for just a second. I know some of you are listening, some of you are completely checked out. It's okay. But kids, I want you to hear this from me as, a, as your pastor. And I was going to say a pastor, but I'm going to be very clear. As your pastor, that God does not have a smaller amount of the Holy Spirit for you than he does for adults. God does not have an interaction for you with himself and his power in your life that is some way different than what he wants to give to big people. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is to help you as kids to be able to be a witness for Jesus everywhere you go as well. To give you power to do superhero type things. Why? Because everywhere we go, we have an opportunity to display God to the people that we're around. God does that through you and through me. And that is the reason why we have the baptism of the Holy Spirit is because God wants to do extraordinary things through our lives. And it's just too easy for us to limit God and say, no, God, I, I got this. I can represent you better my way than your way. And God just looks at us, and, and he has to be scratching. He said, why would you even want to try and present him to a world through your own human strength and ability? An infinite God in our finite ability. just doesn't make any sense. And so he gave us the Holy Spirit for us to be in the world and have this power that dwells in us for us to make a difference. And, and I want to be really clear. Tongues and, and miracles, and I see all you guys going, oh man, he's going there. Listen, there are all kinds of beautiful manifestations of the gifts of the Spirit. And all of them are meant to build and to strengthen the body of Christ. People ask me all the time, why don't we see that in the local church? Here's my personal persuasion. And I'm just going to tell you right now, this is my personal opinion. I believe we don't see as many signs, wonders, and miracles is because we've misunderstood what the gift of the Holy Spirit is for. We've made it about the signs, wonders, and miracles, and he made it about being a witness. And so the American church, we're really comfortable with cool things happening just as long as I don't actually have to go tell anybody about Jesus. 
We're really comfortable with the moving of the Holy Spirit inside these walls because this is a safe place, right? This is, this is where that should happen. But really, God designed the gifts of the Spirit to function through our lives so that we go out there and actually make a difference in the world that we live in. Come on, church. And so if we want to begin to see signs, wonders, and miracles in our lives, can I just tell you, let's, let's work on the primary mission of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives, and that is to go be a witness for Jesus, to go love people well with the power of the Holy Spirit that's in our lives. Yeah, so how do you know if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit, mm, right? That's a common bum, question. Bum, bum. And there's really two ways to know, and one is exactly that. Am I a witness, and am I making disciples? Am I reaching out in my community? I love in Matthew 5, in the message version, it says we're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in this world. And yeah. I just love that picture, that that's why we're here, to bring out these God colors in the world, in your workplace, at your sporting events, at your home, wherever you're at, that that's what we're called to do, which leads us to the next part of knowing if you've been filled with the Holy Spirit is are the fruits of the Spirit growing in me? Because mm. that's how we show these God colors to the world. So Galatians 5, through 25 says... But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And there is no law against these things. There's none, right? Not in our day and age. So if we're showing the God colors in our world and making disciples, this is what we're going to look like. And we love verse 24 and 25. It says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have knelt the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Come Spirit, on. let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And that's what we're called to do. And that's how you know if you've been filled and are functioning with the Holy Spirit present in your life is by these two ways. Come on. And it's a great measuring stick for each one of us, right? Like, we, we oftentimes measure the active work of the Holy Spirit in our lives not by what Scripture measures it by. We measure it by prophecy. We measure it by miracles. But the Scripture me measures the active work of the Holy Spirit in us by seeing the fruits of the Spirit grow and develop in our, in our lives. And I love how, how, as we read through Galatians chapter 5 here, it talks about things. And I, I, I presented a question to you guys just a few weeks ago. I'm going to do it here real quick. Through this season, the last seven months, COVID, whatever you want to describe this as, crazy town, you, it's up to you. Go for it. Have the fruits of the Spirit grown in you? Are you more patient? Are you more kind? Are those things coming out in your life? And these are great questions for us to ask ourselves because we want the Holy Spirit's work being manifest through our lives. And there is a litmus test to see if it's happening. Thanks again for listening to this message. Do you know someone who'd be blessed by it? Make sure to share it with them this week.